guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. Hey, we're on. Very good. Hi, guys. This is Doug, and you're listening to What's the Hazard? Don't look at the camera, for God's sakes. (laughs) You're looking at us. You look at me. Just look at me. No, you can look at that. That's fine. It is Friday, May 26th, and we are starting our Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate all the comments. We've gotten some really incredible comments for the last few episodes, and I appreciate all of that input. Uh, Memorial Day weekend, it is um, a weekend where we pay tribute to fallen warriors, uh, to those that have ser- served and given in the armed forces that have died in combat or combat-related injuries. And so historically, we have used this weekend to pay tribute to those individuals. It's an important weekend. Uh, Hopefully, you get to spend it with friends and family. You get to do something fun. But don't lose sight of the fact that we are, you know, we are enjoying this weekend in order to pay tribute to these fallen warriors. So I have a question for you. My guest today needs really no introduction. If you do safety and health in this area, then you know this gentleman, Dale Kugler. Uh, You've had a number of different hats. You've done a number of different things that hopefully we get a chance to talk about. Sure. I'm just going to call you friend for sake of a better title. That's fine. Uh, It's a good title for you. Um, So here's the quiz. Um, What was Memorial Day called before it became Memorial Day? Do you do you remember these things? I just looked them up, so it makes me look pretty smart. But was it Armistice Day? It, it was actually referred to as Decoration, Decoration day. day, and it is a day then when we would go out and you know lay flowers or flags or other mementos on the graves of those fallen warriors. Um, and this has been going on literally for thousands of years, apparently. The Romans used to do the same thing. They would decorate the graves of their fallen soldiers. It kind of started around the end of the Civil War, as, as my research has led me to understand. And it became, it used to be called Decoration Day, and then it became Memorial Day. And in 1971, I think it was Johnson, President Johnson, made it an official holiday. So now the government folks get a three-day weekend. You know, as I used to, yeah. <laughs> as you used to, yeah. we probably all used to get three. I, I don't even know when the holidays are, frankly, yeah. at Fletcher Safety anymore. You know, every day is a work day at Fletcher Safety. But anyway, so I hope everyone has uh, a good Memorial Day. Enjoy it and be grateful. So, so there. And uh, I had all these things that I was going to bring laid out. I had some flags and things all laid out. And then I got behind and I rushed out of the. Oh, no. You know, so left it all behind. But yeah. I hope you I hope you all have a great weekend. Um, again, my guest, Dale Kugler. Um, we've known each other for quite a long time, man. We go way back. Way back. And it is really yeah. good to see you. Yeah. I love the hair. Don't look at the camera. But you can look at the camera for just a second because there are some of us. <laughs> some people will be watching this on YouTube. Others yeah. will just be listening to it. Right. I would describe it, you know, uh, for the audio only folks. Yeah. But it looks good. 
You look like a biker. It's you actually look like a biker. That's what that's what my littlest brother said the other day. He saw me and he hadn't seen me for a while, and he's like, "Oh, you look like a biker." So, and I and I that's do a compliment. Ride. I do ride. I know you, you do. Know, I get a lot of grief from a lot of safety people for riding. For riding, I I have a. Um, was well, named Safety Man. It's Frank Berg. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to you about Safety yep. Man before. Yep. And Frank just hates it that I ride. And, um, you know. He would Frank, and I don't know Frank well, but I, would yeah. Frank have you eliminate all risk from your life then? Is that well, what his not position all risk. would be? I or? mean, Frank has, I, I don't know, in the past he had a like a, a little Mini Cooper, but mm-hmm. a John Cooper S, which, you know, is like the fastest Mini Coopers you can buy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know you got a lot of metal around you. Yeah, you got a metal. You know, in, I mean, it is well, without question there yeah. are risks associated with riding. Sure, sure. And, there are risks with it. But you know, one of the things that probably not very many people are not. You know, I I just don't talk much about it. But in the late '80s, I raced cars. Yeah. You know, but I I had an '85 Corvette had a full roll cage in it. Um, you know, I wore all the safety gear. Mm-hmm. I wore, wore, you know, I had to wear all the stuff in case the car caught on fire. Right. You know, but I had all the right PPE yeah. and everybody's going the same direction on the track, which is a <laughs> right, kind, of, right. kind of a plus. No head-on uh, collisions at no, least. No, but uh, did I back end it off the corners uh, several times learning, <laughs> you know, while well, learning to race, learning yeah. to drive and and just learning, you know, what the maximum capabilities of the car and me were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, Interesting. Um, you know, I think that carries a lot of weight with PPE. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of guys on bikes that, you know, they're in their flip-flop shorts and, you know, it, it maybe a T-shirt, you know. Mm-hmm. And because Nebraska has a helmet law, we wear helmets. You know, mm-hmm. I would wear a helmet anyway because the nutcase is the most – Right, susceptible, susceptible, certainly, if you're going down. harder piece, you mm. know. I mean, unfortunately, other parts and pieces on you may be replaceable or fixable, but, you know, it's it, it's going to be tragedy any, any way it goes. Yeah, but again, so. you, are, you are controlling that which can be controlled mm-hmm. within this activity, and that's kind of what we do as a profession. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, we evaluate that risk. I mean, you can't eliminate all risks, certainly. Right. right. So, Evaluate it and control it to the extent right. you can. And so I always wear, you know, a, a good pair of jeans, steel-toed boots, you know, mm-hmm. solid shoes. Um, I wear typically, you know, if it's colder, I wear leathers, mm-hmm. you know, both, you know, below and above. But, um, you know, if I don't have the leathers on, I have a ballistic jacket. And it might mm-hmm. be 100 degrees out, mm-hmm. and I'm still wearing my gear, mm-hmm. you know. But, I appreciate that. Uh, well, yeah. and, and I think that's the way it should be because you're so exposed. Right. But, you know, one of the things, you know, um, you know, we've talked in the, in the past just about, you know, health issues and stuff like that. I live life to its fullest. Right. You know, and being on the bike and in the wind is Gives just, it's one something. of my happy places. Mm-hmm. It just really is. Well, outside of being with my family. Right. Well, like then that. without question, yeah. then you should continue to do it and find place. Don't ride in town during rush hour on the interstate. Yeah. I can barely drive right. in traffic. I sure. can't. Im- I see guys on bikes in that traffic and I fear for them sure. because I know it's not going to be them that makes the mistake. Right. It's going to be grandma pulls in front of them or some asshole that's texting or whatever. So right. right. So go out into the country. <laughs> And and enjoy yourself. Yeah. You drive with your head on a swivel. Absolutely, you really, do. you really do. Yeah. But 
but it's just it's one of those things you know i've always found you know solace in and fun mm-hmm. so yeah and um you know it's 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 just it's enjoyable mm-hmm, good so I appreciate that, yeah. and and we started talking about this not too long ago, and we were just, we just chat, you know. You're working, I'm working. We talk on the phone occasionally while we're working, and I'm driving, or one of us is driving. Typically, something like that. And um, so I didn't know these things about you in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And again, you're not the guy that kind of wears it on his sleeve, so to, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found that interesting that you used to race, that mm-hmm. you still ride, all those kind yeah. of things. Yeah, and I would still race, but it's just. You know, I've got eight kids, and that that kind of <laughs> kind of got in the way of some of, some of that. Yeah, but but that's okay. I, I love it. it. I love being surrounded by family. Yeah, that's so cool. outside of you know riding. It's it's you know family mm-hmm. and family time. So. And so, what, what you guys have a tradition for the Memorial Day weekend? What do you guys do? Um, do, you do? We usually just chill. You know, grill out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, don't don't really travel. We are traveling. Uh, Sunday, just we're we're going to a museum. Two of my kids are art into art, art majors. Nice. So one's graduated, one's still going to school, and so we're going to make a trip to Kansas City and just you know make a day out of it. Kind of go see some things fantastic. that are interesting to them. So, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Man. So it's you know I think it's always engaging to support your children. Oh, without question. You know, a while back, uh, Gabriel, my my youngest, he's seventeen. And and I know I'm an old guy, but but uh, he's 17 years old, and he's in a he's in a program at school. You know, they're teaching them how to do body work and estimation and stuff like that. And so they had a they had one of their teams get-togethers in Grand Island. So tons of kids there, uh, very neat uh, group there. Just kids learning skills. You know, it's just a big skills get-together, mm-hmm. but. I drove out there and, you know, his activity of the day was to do a walk around on a car and do an estimation of the car. Mm -hmm. So he does his walk around and then he sits down at the computer and, you know, and puts his information in and stuff and he's done for the day pretty much. Mm -hmm. And so we're having a chat, you know, and he's like, you drove out here all the way just to uh, watch me, you know, walk around this car and then kind of sit like a monkey at a computer and put a bunch (laughs) of data into it. Right. And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I support you. He goes, Dad, you must love me, <laughs> right? You know, and and that's precious. You know, it's 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 um, you no know doubt. those moments are always precious. Yes, yeah, no when, doubt. When you get that kind of a mm-hmm. worth the drive, head up from I, you know, you know I, I I think that all the time. I have yeah. two sons as well that yeah. you know that uh, even the smallest things that they do, mm-hmm. you know, those little accomplishments are really really cool sure. to watch and enjoyable. Yeah. I have a son yeah. that uh, is kind of an art guy, interested in, well, actually, both of my sons mm-hmm. were interested in art, and the younger boy is um, working on, in, he's doing graduate studies in classic literature, so nice. he reads Greek and Latin, and he's wow. trying, you know, translating documents and stuff, oh, and nice. so he loves, you know, things like the symphony. Sure. He's going to, he just finished his, uh, this year's program, so he's coming back from Chicago to we're going to go to the symphony, I think, uh, Saturday night, June 2nd or something, okay. June 3rd, something like that. He loves the symphony. My wife just went up to Chicago and spent a weekend with him, and they went to the art museum downtown oh, Chicago amazing. and stuff. So, yeah. Love that stuff. It's incredible. S- stuff that would have never happened yeah. when I was a right. 22, 23-year-old yeah. guy, you know. Yeah. So I, I do think those guys, those yeah. things are fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. So I, I have a question for you, man. All I, right. I, 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 
don't typically prepare for these things. I just kind of go where it takes us. Um, I do want to talk about safety, certainly, but I want to ask you, I was just thinking about what, what was the first job, paying job, not a safety job, but the first paying job that you ever had. Do you remember? And, and how old were you? Oh, what, man. You know, digging way back. Yeah, 10, 11 years old, mowing, uh-huh. mowing yards. Mowing, mowing you know, lawns, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, you know, trying to make some side hustles, you mm-hmm. know, at, at that point in time. Mowing for um, the neighbors, mowing for yeah, old neighbors, ladies in the neighborhood uh, and stuff. a church, okay. a motel. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Just where did you grow up? Where were you? I was in Shadron, Northwest Nebraska. Oh, yeah. So okay. I, I lived there, you know, until I was close to seventeen. But you know, great place. I mean, you're at the foothills of the Rockies and mm-hmm. in the Black Hills. So just gorgeous. The Nebraska country. National Forest is up there. Well, that's Halsey, but <laughs> okay, you sorry, know, we, we do have four. Yeah, you know, I mean, they do have forest forest areas uh-huh. there, which you know were really incredible. And and back in the day, it was really cool because there was a fish hatchery in Crawford. You know, back in those days, and uh, they raised trout and put them in all the little streams and lakes or around those areas. Mm-hmm. So we caught a lot of rainbow trout. You know, in nice. summertime we. You know, get a can, dig some worms up, ride to, you know, ride down to Little Creek. And Porto Creek is where we'd ride to. It was about two miles from the house. And the parents would allow us actually on our bikes to ride that far on the highway. Oh, yeah, back which in those is, days. Yeah, Highway 20, you know, oh, which yeah. is an arterial up, up there <laughs> right. at the time. So it was kind of scary. But, but uh, no, for the most part, you know, if we brought the fish home, cleaned them, my mom cooked them. It was awesome. Nice. We ate a lot of trout. Bro. That is awesome. Rainbow trout. So and so, a, what's what's the big park room. up there? I there's a big Shadron State. Shad, yeah, um, Shadron State Park. Just but isn't there south. like Fort something? Fort, well, you got Fort Robinson. Fort Robinson. Yeah. So Fort Robinson's down, you know, near Crawford or just just west of Crawford mm-hmm. a little bit. So you used to go out there, and then agates out there. There's an area where you can go out and hunt agates and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the the uh, Toadstool Park and. Some of those areas. You it's know, a beautiful just, part of the oh, state. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really interesting to go. And there's some real history out there. But, you know, they also found some mammoths there. And mm-hmm. so some of those mammoths are down, you know, in the university in, in Lincoln. And right. some of them are out, you know, out there still maintained. Right. But, but uh, fun fun place to go. It is, I'll bet yeah, it was. Great, great, great area. I'll bet it was. But so yeah, cutting, cutting grass and stuff. Yeah. So getting paid grass for that. and stuff, getting paid for that. And then my dad had a fiberglass plant. So he he actually made well pits and barrel vaults and tanks no and repaired boats and trucks and and uh, so you know at a very early age you know working working with him I mean he needed help and he couldn't always pay for the help mm-hmm. so you know I got three squares and a roof so you know I would I would go go give him a hand you know right and uh, so it was really interesting I started. I don't know. I call it pushing people, managing people, supervising people at 14 years old. Wow. So I'm I'm out running a chopper gun and, you know, working with methyl ketones and <laughs> acetones and resins and stuff. All of those prohibited activities. All those prohibited <laughs> activities. And, you know, I'm standing out there, unfortunately, in a pair of tennis shoes and shorts, you know, and maybe a T-shirt or not, depending on if I – had a good mm. shirt that day. Mm. So, and this is, you know, prior to OSHA. I mean, this is, oh, yeah, man. This is in the, you know, early, early to mid 70s, you know, when all this went on. And, 
it uh, it was pretty scary, you know, just working, in retrospect. With, working with some of that stuff in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, I think it drives some of my health issues now as mm-hmm. an adult, you know, mm-hmm. and, or an older adult. But, um, you know, it was just really interesting because, you know, I'd be in, you know, chop and run the chopper gun or something and spraying and, you know, some guy would walk up and tap me on the shoulder. It's like 35 and say, hey, I'm supposed to find Dale. And it's like, okay, well... That's me. <laughs> you're my so, boss. Yeah, you're my boss. You're supposed to show me what to do. And, you know, so that that was just really an interesting experience. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, eventually I'm asking my dad for Tyvek. I mean, that was just new, you know, on the scene back in those days. But you knew that you needed to keep that shit off your skin. And well, off your clothes like, and yeah, like you could, I mean, I started breaking out and just having a lot of I had skin issues for 25, for 25 years. I could not wear shorts or mm-hmm. go without a shirt mm-hmm. because if you looked at me, you thought I had leprosy or something, mm-hmm. you know, so because it, of those resins. And, and that, was, that was from all those early exposures mm-hmm. of just not being protected properly. But it's I ruined so many pants. I mean. You know, I I had jeans that would stand up in the corner by themselves. Right. I mean, that was just they were how literally much... fiberglassed. Exactly. So they were yeah just they would bend stiff. at the knees and <laughs> oh stuff and a little bit at the hips, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was pretty incredible. Just some of the stuff that we we worked with and just unprotected. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's some of why, you know, I got into safety. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah. I mean, you think there was some correlation? Yeah, there, there was some. Well, that and you know. Um, a, a simple Stanley knife actually kicked off my safety. Act, you know, my. Did you my hack off a finger involved, or something? Or no, what? no. Um, I, wor- I worked at a company, and um, one day the owner of the company walks out on the shop floor and he says, Hey, uh, Dale, what do you know about safety? And I said, Well, I know it's better to be safe than not. Sure. And, and he says, well, that's kind of a good start. But, uh, <laughs> you're my guy. <laughs> you're my guy. And so he says, uh, you're you're our new safety guy. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, and he's going, why, why are you thanking Jesus? You know, and I said, well, I'm thanking Jesus because now, you know, I have to supervise these guys. I can just walk around and tell them how to be safe. Mm-hmm. And he said, wait, wait a minute. And I said, what? And he said, well, you signed a piece of paper when you started here. And I said, Oh, you mean the one that says I got to do whatever you ask me to do? And he said, "Yeah, that one." <laughs> right. So Other you're duties su- as you're, assigned. Yeah, you're gonna do. You're gonna supervise and and be the safety guy. So I said, mm-hmm. "Okay." So what's driving this? He said, "Well, we're in a risk pool." I said, "Explain it to me because I I don't understand that language. I don't know what that means." And so he goes down this rabbit hole into what a risk pool is, and I'm like, okay, nobody wants to insure us. That's bottom line is what you're telling me. He says, yeah, no no carriers want us. I said, how can that be? Because we're not in a hazardous energy industry. I mean, it's not like the fiberglass plant, you know, that I was working in as a kid. So he said, well, figure it out, you know. And he said, there's, you know, the Nebraska Safety Council down the street, you know, and maybe contact them and just get their take. And there's some other resources out there, just kind of dig into those, you know. And so I'm like, okay. And he says, oh, yeah, and we're we're orientating 10 people today. And I'm like, okay, you mean the orientation that I didn't get when I started? <laughs> right. You know, right. that piece of paper I signed that just said go to work? He said, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I went and sat in on that. So HR is in there and, you know, they do their group hug, sign all the papers and everything. And then, you know, the, the HR person's like, oh, there's one more thing. 
And I'm like, okay, this kind of, you know, got my interest. What's the one more thing? Because, you know, we don't even know what we're going to do. I haven't even seen the plant. Okay. So she grabs this box and she hands out these brand new Stanley knives. And they don't fold. They don't close. You know, it's just a Stanley, you know, regular Stanley knife with the blade sticking out of it. And then it's like an Oprah Steve Jobs moment on top of that. She says, oh, you'll need these. And she gets this other box and gives each one of these 10 people a 100-pack of blades with a Stanley knife. And I'm just like, oh, wow. What's the message we're telling our people when we onboard them? Go forth and cut yourself. <laughs> right. right? Right. So, you know, everybody bleed. leaves. Everybody leaves. Yeah, bleed. And, and, you know, I told the HR person, I said, hey, you know, we're not going to do that anymore. And she said, no, we have to. You know, management owners said we have to. So I went to the owner that blessed me, you know, had me get down on the one knee with the sword, you mm-hmm. know, give me the safety job. and Said, I'm going to take the knives away. Oh, wait a minute. You know, and so I got this, you know, two different reactions. You know, one from her, you can't do that, and one from him. So he said, at least study it. You know, go out and do a, ha- you know, hazard assessments weren't top of mind then. It wasn't even a thing probably No, no, no. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's in the 80s, you know. So, you know, OSHA's hazard assessment, you know, activities hadn't really hit the map. And, and so I went out and. We had 125 employees, and every employee walked in the door, we'd give them a knife, okay? So I did an assessment of the environment, and we had two two dose employees, two employees that needed a knife to do their job. Two? Two. But everybody was issued but a everybody knife. Everybody was issued a knife. Because it was just part of habit. Yeah. It was just part of the environment. It was right. part of the fabric. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So I... Your first hazard assessment. Well, yeah. official. Right. You've been doing them for your whole yeah. life, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but on top of that, I went and looked at the OSHA 200 log, and that dates me, of course, mm-hmm. you know, because it was the 80s. And mm-hmm. it was just pages, pages, pages of cuts, you know, and, and <laughs> right. everything revolved around this goofy Stanley knife. Mm-hmm. Now, once in a while, we had a back strain or shoulder strain or, you know, some, some type of strain, you know, because uh, we had these big tables that, you know, had thousands of pounds of stuff on them. We had to push them around, pull them, whatever. Sometimes they hit a dip and somebody strained something. But so I I took the knives away. And, you know, as a safer device, people that needed to cut, we gave them a pair of scissors. Now, once in a while, we'd have a web cut or something, but it just, it went away. It just went off a cliff mm. in a very short order. And we got out of the risk pool. But also through that, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants in safety because, you know, my introduction to, to really deep down safety was John J. Seifkus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember John. You may or may not. Mm, vaguely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I believe, I, I don't know what, you know, I don't want to get it wrong, but he may have been a general or a colonel or he was fairly high up, you know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the military uh, before he retired and went to work at the safety council. And uh, John was just a gem. I mean, he would come out with this little this little pad. He had this little tiny pad, you know, that he carried in his pocket. And and then what he called his, his stubby pencil. Yeah, I mean, the pencil's this long. <laughs> right. I seriously. One of those little construction it was, pencil things. It was just a little tiny pencil, and he would just, you know, make these little crib notes as we're walking around and stuff. But – you know, he came out and he would spend time with me and then he would go, Dale. I said, what? You're, you're 
your brain's full. I'm going to come back at a later date. You know, and and that was my, you know, my introduction to full-on safety. Mm-hmm. And we would just walk around the plant and identify what what was wrong, you know. And we were doing a lot of things right, but we had some things we were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so he would just call out the, the stuff that I needed to work on. And so, you know, and, and we belonged to the council, you know, at that time. And it was accredited chapter of national and everything and and um, that was, you know, my first introduction. And, and then uh, Charlie Calcaterra, mm-hmm. you know, every, so some of those of us that have been in this for a while know Charlie. Yeah, and yeah. Charlie would come out and, and uh, you know, walk around and kind of the same thing. Your brain's full and, you know, we'll come back later and give me a laundry list of stuff. And so I just kept chipping away at, at those things mm-hmm. at the plant. So that was my introduction introduction to safety um wow and some down some some you know a ways down the road i went to work for the council i worked I for the council for about six years that's I probably would, where we met yeah i was the director of occupational mm-hmm. safety and health training it's like hey doug guess mm-hmm. what you know yeah we got a like, thing <laughs> you're we, like what you know hey explain it to me it's like I remember, uh, yeah, yeah and, that was fun yeah it was, was i mean it was time. a fun time I, I i called you quite regularly i you know i had clients that would call me up and go hey you know, what about this code? It's like, okay, we would talk through it, and they're going, well, what would OSHA say? Okay, well, they would say basically the same thing. Well, will you call them and ask them? So, hence, mm-hmm. I'm on the phone. Hey, Doug. <laughs> what would OSHA say? Yeah, I'm what like, would OSHA well, say? how the hell would you I know, know man? But know? I can tell you what I think. <laughs> so, so then we would, you know, we would, you know, I'd get some type like, of. basically confirm what he had just told them. Exactly. I get some type of statement from, from you and then go back to him and say, yeah, what we talked about. OSHA agrees. OSHA agrees, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, man. You know, and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, when I talk about we st- stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, you're one of those giants. You've been in this industry oh. for a long time. <laughs> right. And we're, we're, a blessed, long time. Yeah. we're blessed to have you. I mean, just the the knowledge, you know, and skills and understanding that you have. Of, of the codes and people and interacting with companies. I mean, it's, it's appreciated. I, I, it thank you for so saying appreciated. that. Yeah, man. I, I have been, I have really been fortunate to have been able to just like you learn from so many people. Yeah. And I, I'm going to tell you that this podcast, um, selfishly, I have learned more over the last three and a half years yeah. about safety, just sitting and listening. Yeah to people like you talk about their experiences. And then I, of course, shamelessly go and, and, and spread that around as if it's but, my idea. But, but that's, that's what it's been. Our, our safety we community. Do. And that's what we do. We, we always learn from others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked for Via for a couple, you know, a couple of years I and, remember. and I was a safety supervisor out there and you know, it's, it's um, it's really interesting because I thought when I went to work there, I'd be there the rest of my life. I know your dad had worked there. He'd worked there for 40 years. Yeah, for yeah. Four, put his 40 years in and stuff. And, you know, I, I came in there. And, you know, at that point in time, we had 2 million square feet under roof. We had 2,900 employees showing up for work every day. Huge. Yeah, And huge. it had been bigger. I yeah. mean, at one time and, it was uh, yeah, enormous. Yeah, and we, yeah, we had, uh, yeah, it had been shrunk a little bit before, you know, before I got there. But, but uh, you know, just a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts. And on one side of that, you had, 
you know, they're making the electronic wiring cable, you know, all the Cat5 wire because we didn't have modems yet. Mm-hmm. And so Cat5 wire was just crazy. I mean, we were making so much of that Cat5 wire. It was just incredible. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of machines that just didn't have proper machine safeguarding. And then we had, you know, boneheads, unfortunately, that would bypass some of that stuff or tie up a safety switch or, you know, because they thought they needed to get in there. And, you know, we trying to get the wire out. Well, yeah. You know, touching stuff, handling stuff. People, people just tend to get in harm's way. And it's not always on purpose. Uh, Sometimes it is. I think it's rarely. I think. Getting hurt is rarely intentional. Yeah, I don't think anybody gets Getting in up, harm's way is yeah. intentional because they believe there's a reason for it. Right. There's a need to yeah. do that in the moment. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's been a good ride. You know, I've, I've done a lot of different things. I worked in natural gas for five years. I remember. And that, you know, when you're working with stuff that's odorless and colorless and it goes boom. <laughs> right. And it's just like, man, you're just, I mean, you're, you're just on edge all the time. I cannot imagine. You know, and, and you, you know, you had uh, a relative. Basically, yeah, you're um, our, the friend of the show, Leanne yeah, Meyer. Leanne you Meyer. worked with Leanne, yeah, as I, I worked recall. with Leanne, and and uh, you know, it was just holy cow, you know, stuff's odorless, colors goes boom, and but and that's a good team. You guys had a pretty good team of we, people. We had a had a great team, you know, and and a lot of people, you know, if you look at natural gas and you look at nuclear and you look at some of these other work environments, you know, they have a higher level of safety process because they must have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They must have, you know, that safety process. But, you know, it's it when, when we look at our other industries, we just have to look at what are our pain points? You know, what are those exposures? We, we always have to recognize what is it that can kill somebody in Thank our work you. environment. Mm-hmm. And that's sobering. That is so sobering. Because it's present in every workplace yeah. in some capacity. And a, and a lot of times we look at, you know, the things that happen, you know, in our in our work environments. And, and the, things that, the things that hurt us aren't always or necessarily the things that are going to kill us. Thank you for saying that. And we don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean... You know, when, you know, sometimes I'll have companies say, hey, what, what do you see as our biggest exposures? And I say, well, you know, you've, you, maybe you're in a warehouse operation. So, you know, your, your forklift op- operators, just, you know, traffic, people in and out, trucks, you know, how do you recognize what those risks are? You know, somebody being crushed or run over, or crunched into something, you know, by an in- inadvertent mm-hmm. operation of a mm-hmm. lift or something like that. But then... You know, you go to the highway, your fleet, you know, and and I think it's so, so important for us to understand what fleet is and how people are trained and taught to drive. Uh, I'm a real strong proponent of the Smith system. It's just a drive differently program. It's okay. a program that's out there. Uh, you know, those of you in, in the field listening to us today, dig into it. Okay, the Smith system. Smith system. It's a it's a behavioral based program of driving. Uh, they started in the trucking industry. Uh, they've had a lot of successes, but you know they've got some acronyms and stuff. And you and know, you said drive differently. Um, give me an idea what that means. Okay, so driving differently, and and we've had some snippets of this, whether we've been through a safety council training or a defensive driver training, but driving differently is 
space and time, okay? So that's one of the components. You're, you're not looking at what's at the front of your hood, okay? You're glancing at that, mm-hmm. but you're not focusing on that. You're looking, you're looking half a mile up the way, if you can see that far. Mm-hmm. You're looking a block away, and you're just scanning that. And you have to keep your eyes moving, mm-hmm. you know. And so many times people are focused on that electronic leash mm-hmm. that we have right now going yes. on that just takes their eyes away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we aim high in steering, you know, we're getting up the road. Uh, we keep our eyes moving. We stay abreast of what's in the mirrors, using the mirrors, and Looking over our shoulders. I mean, I had a lady cut me off on the bike the other day, just flat out switched lanes. And I, she had one of those presence sensing mirrors on her car. And the things lit up. And I, I saw it light. Because you know, she was moving. Because she was, yeah, she's you. moving. And mm-hmm. I saw it, it light up. Mm-hmm. And so I mashed on, you know, the front brake, back brake. And I'm, I'm on my Road King, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's got. It's got some pretty good brakes, mm-hmm. luckily, and I clamped them down, but uh, avoided but she catastrophe. Came over. But she just switched lanes, and she didn't, you know, she didn't. Didn't, didn't even acknowledge the no, warning. No, no, <laughs> she didn't acknowledge the light in the mirror, didn't look over her shoulder. The dude on the she bike, just, none of that stuff. Yeah, just boom. Jeez. You know, and, and it's scary. It is scary. It's scary. But, you know, those are the things. I have to drive for everybody. I have to ride for yes, all those other vehicles out there. Right. So this is interesting. So the Smith system of driving, I love that because yeah. I have become a much more of a driver like that right. as I have aged. Right. I was going to say mature. That may be the wrong choice yeah. of words, but aged. Yeah. And so I like a good buffer. Sure. I know my reaction time is less yeah. than it used to be. Oh, yeah. So I like a good buffer. Invariably, some asshole will pull into that space because oh, yeah. if I've given more sure. than a car length, yeah. they just assume that right. that's for them. Right, right, right. And yesterday, some dick followed me around. He was in my back seat practically driving behind me to the point where it made me uncomfortable. He was sure. so close. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, takes me in a direction I don't like right. going because right. it, it angers me, yeah. you know? And I try to slow down and let them pass or pull around me or whatever. But for yeah. some reason, they and, – and I think, yeah, this whole driving thing really needs to be reevaluated. Well, fleet's getting hard. And what I mean by that is the insurers are starting to really jack it up. And part of that's being driven by these phenomenal amounts that are being awarded to the injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we see those a million bucks. Sometimes they're ten million. I mean, it's it's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, how some of that's happening. But I, I think it's so crucial that you know everybody's learned how to drive. Was it from your uncle? Was it your aunt? Was it your brother? You know, did you you know take a safety council class? You know, as a kid. I mean, we've got a lot of driving things in place for our kids now that we didn't necessarily have. I mean, we could do driver's ed back when we were kids, but, you know, now they've got more time that they have to do, and they actually have to do some time with us, you know, when they learn to drive, because I've got, like, Gabe 17, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so I had You've to go through, through that recently. with him, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and the, the twins. But but uh, Smith's system is just one of those products out there that I, you know, I like. And mm-hmm. National's got good programs, too. I mean, mm-hmm. don't 
don't don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of other ways that we can we can develop our drivers, but how did they le- really learn to drive, and how do they drive? And and that's why we're seeing so many of these devices that are, you know, basically tracking you know how the vehicle is being operated, and you know they've got a forward camera and a reverse camera and stuff like that. And I think as time goes on, you're going to see more of that. And you know, speed monitoring, yeah. all of those kind of things. Right, right. Like hard braking, yep. everything that would be indicative of sure. perhaps an error or yeah. something during that process. Yeah, so you, in that situation that you were in, you know, if you just, you know, took, took a few breaths, deep breaths, and just went, hey, I'm going to reestablish my space, mm-hmm. you're better off, mm-hmm. right? Always. If you just let just let it go. Let it go. Thank you, know, you Bill. And, and, and I typically, you know, if somebody comes up and they put their blinker on, I'll let you in. Mm-hmm. If you come up and just force yourself in. I, I find that a little bit rude. It, it is rude. But, you know, I'm I'm going to do my best to protect my space, mm-hmm. you know, even when that occurs. Yes. I mean, I was driving in, I don't know, Texas or somewhere, and some, some person in a... You know, electric car, and those have a lot of different driving features on them and stuff. And just comes up, I mean, just was zigzagging through traffic. And, you know, I just, my thought process is just get away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, slow down a little bit. Let them get, you know, let them get past. Let you them are go. such a better man than me, Dale. But, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 how we have to preserve ourselves. It Doug. is. You're you know, right. it's preservation. No doubt. You know, because I've got, you know, I mean, I, I've got family that, you know, relies on me to, Without you know, question. give them three squares and a roof, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm, I, I, I like to do that. You know? Yeah. I love family. I totally get it. And you are absolutely right. This is what is within my control. Yeah. I, I can control the way I approach this driving thing. Absolutely. Rather than let other people's uh, choices. Inequities. Yeah. Right. Di- dictate yeah. how I, yeah. so I need to get a better handle yeah. on that. And it's basically, you know, it, I've, you know, there's been times when I've demonstrated space cushion driving and, you know, going down Dodge Street. You get on Dodge Street and it's bumper to bumper. I mean, it's one of the busiest streets in town, you know, in Omaha. And, you know, I'll build that, you know, couple car space in front of me, you know, and I'll build eventually, you know, you'll get a couple blocks and you'll have space behind you, space in front of you. You try it out. And the, the interesting part about it is is you actually impact some of those drivers around you to drive differently. Maybe that's true. And they don't know it. Your yeah. your behavior is, oh, wow, why is that guy building that space? You know, mm-hmm. something must be going on. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you I, you're, you're, yes, wise. <laughs> wise beyond your years oh, probably. But that yeah. I think you're right. And I think that's true outside of the vehicle as well as inside the vehicle. Yeah. How you conduct yourself and behave certainly has an impact on others. Oh, yeah. A calming influence sure. or, or a, maybe an arousing influence or whatever that could be. So um, I need to do a better job of managing yeah. that response, yeah. I think, because sometimes I just let it get to me. Sure. And I shouldn't. Yeah. You said something just a moment yes, ago. Sir that I thought was really interesting and re- and something that I've been reading more about and preaching more uh-huh. the concept of the things that hurt us are not necessarily the things that kill us in right. a work environment. Yeah. And so what I've been talking a lot about this over the last three or four years, this, you know, this multifaceted approach to working safely, you know, this compliance piece, the OSHA piece that yeah. you mentioned earlier, 
and this this need, this compulsion to be compliant. People always are asking me, can you help us with our compliance? And I'm like, sure. yeah, we can. I, I don't think that's the most important piece of this, but it's a piece, right. and it's certainly an important piece. The compliance piece, the injury piece, sure. what are those things that are actually hurting our employees? You talked about lacerations, strains, sprains, sure. those types of things. Yeah. And then there is that hidden piece oftentimes that, very difficult to predict piece where we have catastrophic outcomes. We have right. energies that are uncontrolled or sure. we have some perfect storm. Yeah. And would you talk a little bit about that? I mean, as you are walking through a facility, you yeah. do this a lot for your so clients. I, what are I you do, looking at? I do a lot of walkthroughs and, and I know, you know, I, and, and I get crap, you know, sometimes somebody says, yeah, don't be taxed the, the inspector. But, you know, so many times in, you know, when we talk about, the piece of being tour ready. When when a citation starts at fifteen six and some change, yeah, you know, in OSHA may come in and hit us for four items. They or they might be upset and hit us for way more, you know. And I I think we should always work at keeping our environments in tour ready condition. But it's not just for the citability. The codes, both the construction code and the general industry code, are over three inches thick, right? Mm, a lot of stuff. Eight and a half by 11, mm-hmm. you know, in the hard, hard mm-hmm. printed form. Those codes are written in people's blood. Yeah. They're typically a reaction to something. They're, they're a reaction to something. So a code had to be written about that. So So I get it why we have to have the codes and we have to maintain – our environments in that status. Uh, so I think it's important for us to make sure that we're doing walkthroughs for those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, what, what hurts our people? Well, they lift, push, and pull stuff. They lift, push, and pull. And through that lift, push, and pull process, and there's a lot of things out there. You know, I don't know if you've seen Tumeki. Uh, you've seen, uh, you've, you've seen your, you've gotten endorsement now you're getting some monies from make you safe mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. or they're endorsing you in some way shape or form mm-hmm. and and that's a unique uh process in itself just mm-hmm. tracking people's body movements or slips trips falls or mm-hmm. you know exertions i mean there's there's a, a lot of stuff that's out there but at the end of the day i i think we need to be asking our people what 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 are you nervous about? What can hurt you when you do this job? Because when I'm doing that walkthrough or just kind of cruising through, you know, I can see, you know, somebody's supposed to lift up to 50 pounds, right? I mean, that's kind of the general or 50 pounds or less or whatever the NASH guide is. But, you know, it's a situation of, you know, do we have the, do we have the right controls? Are the employees telling us what they need? Sometimes I don't think they do because I don't think they feel they can. Right, right. Now, early on in my career, you know, I got in front of my employees and I said, hey, you know, um, what can hurt you doing this? Well, I'll just go away, you know. It's, right. You know, it's you're like, going to make my life more difficult. Yeah, so you're going to make my life more difficult because you're the safety guy, you're the supervisor. I don't want to talk to you. You're the man, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and then it's like, no, seriously, tell me, tell me what's bugging you. 
what could hurt you? Well, man, at the end of the day, my back is just killing me because I'm bent over this machine all day long. Well, you know, here's these two strapping young guys. They're six foot four, you know, ex-football players or whatever they were. They, were. they were tall, big, strong cats. But, you know, they're bent over at the waist looking at some stuff that they're, you know, to do their work. And I said, well, humor me. <laughs> your back hurts, right? Yeah. All right. Let's raise your equipment. They're like, oh, we complained to Charlie, you know, our last supervisor about our backs hurting. He just said, duh, buck up, buttercup, <laughs> right, just do exactly. it. Right? You know, just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I made, a, you know, a couple of changes. We raised their equipment up. We raised their work table, you know. We, it was in the mattress building. Mm -hmm. You know, I was in that business you know, the betting industry for a few years. And uh, so we raised it up and, you know, I swung back by, you know, a couple of weeks later. It's like, how's it going? Oh, wow, my back's much better, you know. But uh, I got another gem for you, you know. And so they would give me, you know, something else that needed change. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's this or that or, you know, the tables are hard to move or, you know, the – you know, they put some new metal wheels on these tables and they're just tearing the floor up. And now we got all these chunks out of the floor. And, you know, so we go to move a table and I can't pull it and I got a strain. It hurts my, you know, something else hurts. And, you know, we, we have to ask our employees, what, what could make your job better? What could really make your job better? Those are the right questions, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I think too often we don't we don't ask them, or they're not asked, or mm -hmm. you know, it, at some point in time, most environments that I've been in, somebody that's you know doing that job, maybe there's a hiccup on it from time to time, and they told somebody about it, but nothing was done, mm -hmm. it wasn't acted on. So, you know, coming to these guys and saying, "Hey, you know, give me something," and you know, I pull out my little brain pad because my brain you know today yesterday even when i was young i just couldn't remember it all it was just too much going on much, yeah. and uh and i hate to say it you know i admit it but you know i i've got some adhd you know most of us have some mm -hmm. some affliction or something or uh, i was always you know in school i was always considered one of the slow kids you know i was that kid that saw, sat off by himself you know just uh you know, it's it's just the the way it was. Well, you got better stimulation from being on that bike out there yeah. with the wind blowing through yeah. your head. I mean, and that's a real yeah. thing, man. Right. I mean, that's not. Yeah. But but it's a situation of I, I would make a note and then make a change and then make a note and make a change, make a note, make a change, you know. So I would, I would you know, take notes. You know, and it wasn't to put get them in trouble or, you know, sometimes, like, what are you writing down? Are you write me up for it because <laughs> right. I'm telling you something. No, you know, are you ratting on me to Charlie because, you know, he didn't do anything about this, but you did? Or No, it's about making your life better in this in this environment. So, you know, I really think, you know, we, we, we have to get in front of our employees and say, you know, am, am I giving you the right tools? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot of tools out there. And... The other thing is, if we give the right tools, that are being used. You know, a lot of times, you know, I'll see the right tools in the environment and they're sitting in the corner or they've got dust. You know, I, I work in several different industries. You know, maybe I'm in elder care. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I go into elder care, well, you know, if we're doing a walk around and, and we go near where some of the work's done, 
Um, is that lifting device a coat rack? Is that lifting device used? Yeah. And if it's covered with clothes and it's just a portable coat rack or garment rack or holding the blankets, how are you moving these people? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you effectively doing your job? And and I get it, you know, the shortcuts, the time, but is is that more time to go out and look at your electronic leash? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe That's an not. That's interesting question. It's oftentimes, you know, we we I, I hear people criticize employees for making bad choices from right. time to time. I think oftentimes we give employees bad choices and then they have to choose one. Right. None of them are ideal. We have this and I'm just quoting other people, but we have this vision of how work is being performed out sure. in our plants and then it's being done. it's typically yeah. being done differently yeah. oftentimes right. or at least the employees have adapted to whatever sure. we've given them in order to get the product out the yeah. door. They're pretty adaptive. They're yeah. pretty, you know, uh, agile. They, they adjust. And we may not always like the adjustment, but they adjust. And sometimes, you know, having, having been a nurse's aide in a nursing home many years ago, I can tell you from my own experience that using those lift devices was a giant pain in the ass. Right. And I could typically pick my resident up and carry them to the yeah. restroom or right much more easily than yeah. using that lift. And so we're critical of these employees for not utilizing some of these yeah. tools and things we give them, but under the same circumstances, we probably wouldn't either. Yeah. You know? So, so in, so in we, 2000, 2001, I'm going to, I'm going to expand on that story just a little bit. So 2000, 2001, I went to work for Avaya. Avaya was way behind on machine safeguarding, way behind. So I found a machine safeguarding specialist and had him come to the plant and teach the engineers how to assess the equipment for machine safeguarding, where it should be. And not only that, just, you know, looking at, you know, how can we change just some of what we do to lessen exposure to the Mm -hmm. employees. So we put over a million dollars worth of, machine safeguarding in place in the plant. And so one day I'm walking through the plant, you know, and, and included in some of that, and you you know from your dad's day, they handled a lot of 90, 100-pound reels, mm-hmm. you know, which was way above the, the norm for the lifting indexes that we have. So I'm walking through the plant one day, and this strapping guy, you know, he's, you know, you in in your twenties, you know, big buffed, whatever. You know, the guy's throwing the throwing the reels, and I'm like, stopped, and I said, "Excuse me, you know, what are you doing?" Well, I'm throwing these reels. I said, "Well, why? We put all this stuff in place to where you can basically just rock the reel out of a rack, or rock the reel into a rack, or rock the reel into a machine without virtually any lifting. It was a little bit of push or pull, mm-hmm. a little bit of pinch." But he's Still, manhandling these things, yeah. you know, and, and just going to town. He's like, Dell, I don't want to go to the gym tonight. I don't want to go to the gym. <laughs> right. It's my, you know, it, I'm supposed to work out tonight, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, I got some other stuff I got to go do, so I'm going to get my workout at work. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> no, no. You know, we spent all this money to take this exposure yeah. out. Use the tool, you know. 
what tools are there that we're not using? What tools are, are there that we're providing? So, you know, this kind of brings me to a, this is kind of Dale's philosophy, okay? I'm going to ask you to be safe. I'm going to tell you to be safe. I'm going to coach you to be safe. Now, when I ask you to be safe, okay, and this, and this goes back even codified, okay, to the code. I have, as a company, a role and responsibility to provide you a safe and helpful work environment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to provide that to you. So I'm asking. Okay, that's my ask. Okay. And two, in, in, in that ask, I want you to bring your best self. And that's also codified. Mm -hmm. Because if we look at the, at the general duty clause, it says I'm going to provide that environment. If we look at the general duty clause, it says you as an employee are going to bring your best self. Mm -hmm. This is my words, not theirs. No, that's what it says. But you're going to bring your best self and follow what I'm teaching, training, or providing. Right. So, so I've got my ask. My tell is I'm going to teach, train, and give you what you need to do your work. Mm -hmm. Because I want to share the knowledge, skills, and understanding of how this work has to effectively be done. And then the coaching, what comes in in coaching is when I see deviation or I see change or I see the need. I mean, we need to promote the needs of the business to be there tomorrow to have the job, to produce the product, to make a profit so that we can all survive. And you support your family. You support the company. We support each other. You know, it all works together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's just been kind of my mantra forever, mm -hmm. Doug, is just I'm, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to coach you, you know, and it's just us working together to mm -hmm. to have the best outcomes that we can. And, and you know, yeah, you're going to come to work. You're going to be a little more tired at the end of the day. But I don't want you going home injured from what you're doing. Right. But we have to work together. Right. You know, I have to provide that environment. You have to, you know, produce your – you know, your best self in the environment using the tools that I'm giving you. And if I'm not giving you the right tools, we need to have some conversations. Right. But we what you're describing as a collaboration. Absolutely. You know, rather than a dictatorial absolutely. situation. Yeah. You need that input and feedback from those employees Correct. to make sure that you're providing what they need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we do that, then there is some expectation that we follow through on that. Right. Obviously, we can't, it can't solely be well, apparently they don't like what I've given them or whatever. If we're actually engaging them in that process, and then there's some buy-in that we need to get, you know, and there has to be some collaboration. Sure. Got to follow these rules. There's a reason for them. Yes. Certainly. Yeah. I love that, though, man, because it is really a coaching, asking, you know, hey, here's what I want. Here's what I need from you. If, the, if you can't deliver, please tell me why, mm -hmm. and let's figure that out. Right. I think oftentimes, at least in the past, there was a lot of dictating oh, absolutely. and non-compliance yeah. simply right. because, the, you know, we were yeah. not giving them uh, uh, workable solutions necessarily. Right. Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. So we're, our hour is almost up, man. That's the, crazy. The hour goes by in the blink That's of an crazy. eye. Yeah. But I do want to say one thing. Yeah. Before we close, um, and I, I'm not saying this to embarrass you or anything, but, you know, the program has been – driven by generous donors, Stop. right? You know, so there are people that companies that have sponsored the program, 
but also individual supporters of the program. I know I guilted you into it, but you you uh, have generously donated of from your own pocket in order to support the program. I just want to acknowledge that there's really no grand scheme for recognizing supporters of the program other than just my thanks. Yeah. So thank you for that. You yeah. know, donating your time is certainly much more valuable than the money yeah. and of your experience tapping into that experience. And sure. we've known each other a long time. I think we have both. We It's interesting to watch the evolution of a safety right. person, yeah. you know, because we all start off kind of piss and vinegar <laughs> And, uh, you know, as a compliance guy, right. you know, barking orders sure. and wondering why people just don't jump into, yeah. you know, compliance. And then I think much like you described with the driving, you know, we just kind of evolve into this. I need a little bit of space. I need to set myself up. I need to right. coach. You're using terminology now sure. that that defines this evolution yeah. as opposed to the way we used to talk about well, this stuff. And, and when you talk about evolution, you know. Uh, human operation performance, hop, uh, you know, the Conklins, the Bakers, um, you know, there's some really interesting stuff out there, uh, you know, and, and they're bringing a little bit different view to, you know, general industry and construction because they've been in some of those industries to where you can't have failures. And, and today, we need to be thinking about how can we fail in a safe way? Mm-hmm. Because often when we fail, we fail big. Mm-hmm. But how do we build capacity to be able to, to fail in a safe way? Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. It is not. So, you know, I mean, you know, I, I work with companies that, that quite often have, you know, lots of different types of injuries occur. And, you know, when you look out there at, at the injuries that, that occur and what are they, you know, there's a lot of hand injuries. And why is that? Because we push stuff. We touch we stuff. We put our hands everywhere. We put our hands everywhere. Right. We put our hands under stuff. We put our hands on top of stuff. We put our hands in stuff. Yeah. Because that's what we do the work with. But, you know, if you, if you, if you don't have those, I mean, I'm walking through a plant one time and, Doing a mock, they wanted a mock ocean inspection. So I walked through the plant, and guys standing there running a, a pullback press. And first question out of my mouth is, why do we have a pullback press? You know, because I almost think they're archaic. Absolutely. Right? In this day and age. Right. And he's like, well, we cut a guy's hands off. And I said, what? Yeah, we cut a guy's hands off. And I said, well, would you do me a favor? He said, what? I said, shut that machine off. He said, why? I said, it's not adjusted right. He said, yes, it is. And he walks over and he grabs his clipboard, and he's really huffy, you know, and he brings me back the clipboard, and it's got two boxes on it, and it's got the guy that's currently operating, and it's got his supervisor's signatures and, you know, checkoff marks that they had done their, you know, pre-shift on him. I said, shut the machine off. And I said, I'm not asking you to humor me. Shut the machine off. He shuts it off and he calls the supervisor and, you know, and so, you know, the machine coasts down and stuff. And we walk over to the machine and I said, okay, machine's off, right? It's down, secure. Guy's correct. Put your hands on the machine. Guess where they went? In the machine. 
the operator yes. who had the pullbacks on adjusted correctly, allegedly. Exactly. Went right into the point yeah. of operation. Yeah. That was sad. Mm-hmm. It was really sad because mm-hmm. somebody had already lost their hands mm-hmm. doing that application. Yeah. And I just, I've, I've been around enough of those that, I, you know, I could just tell it wasn't set right. Yes. And when they, you know, rubber hit the road, it wasn't. Yeah. But. I love the fact that you asked the first question, the appropriate question, why do we need this machine in the first place? Why are we doing yeah, this? Why, yeah, why, you know, why are we doing this? But, but there's a lot of other devices that are much safer today, mm-hmm. you know, to protect on that. But, but I think, you know, I, I think the new view, hop, you know, I think safety professionals need to be looking that, engaging that. You know, where did we get to where we're at today? We got there on the shoulders of giants who got there on the shoulders of people that had a passion about safety and, and driving safety to a different level. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to just be continuously learning. And sometimes some of the vocabulary and the words and, you know, things are similar to stuff that we know and, and understand. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I've got an interest in that, but, um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think it's something we we need. It it needs to keep changing. It needs to keep adjusting. Um, you know, and and there's a, there's a lot of resources out there. You know that you know these individuals that are in the hop group. You know, are are sharing. I mean, some of that stuff is is just out there front and center. Yeah, a lot of great stuff to, out there to, to get. So. It has really reinvigorated me, man. I'll be honest with you. The last two or three years, I've been diving more into this, talking with folks like you, like James Clark, like Mm -hmm. other people that are studying this this safety differently approach. And it it really has reinvigorated me as a safety professional because I was beating that same drum for 35 years. And not that it's incorrect, but there's certainly more to it. Yeah. And some of these new concepts and these new principles and ideas, they are um, somewhat controversial in, yeah. from the old way, yeah. you know, and I like that. I like to be a contrarian to yeah. some degree, so but it's I think, exciting. I think it starts conversation, mm-hmm. and that's what we need. We need, we need more co- conversation. We need more communication. Uh, hophub, www.hophub.org. I don't know if you've been there. I don't know. I don't know that. But uh, I, w- I would definitely. Hop Hub. Hop Hub. Okay. H-O-P. H-U-B. H-U-B. Awesome. Dot org. Okay. But uh, yeah, www.hophub.org. And that's Conklin and that's Baker and. Decker and that Decker, whole crew. Decker, that whole crew. There's like okay. eight of them. Holnagel, that Eric Holnagel cat. I don't know if Holnagel's on that on that one. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, he is, but. But there's okay. there's like eight different different individuals that are, that are showcased up there. Nice. And if you pull the website up, uh, you know there's some there's some ready resources. Nice. Uh, just on the on the face page, there's you know just the five, you know kind of the five reasons to look at safety differently, mm-hmm. and and so they've got some little vignettes and stuff. Nice. And, I don't know. Todd's uh, Todd's really carrying that banner. Yes, he is. And uh, you know we appreciate that. We but, do. But you know, like I said, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. You're one of the giants. 
Well, I'm just taller than you, man. (laughs) Dale, it has been a true pleasure, my friend. Um, We've been, we should have done this a long time ago, so we'll have to do it again because there is so much to talk about. As you said, this all starts with a conversation. It does. So thank everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, We, we appreciate your support. We appreciate the fact that you're listening and trying to improve, trying, always trying to grow and learn and do better. Keep up the good work. I hope you are able to enjoy this Memorial Day weekend with your family and friends. Uh, but keep in mind why we are why are we uh, having this holiday. It's an important holiday. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Dale. Enjoy your family this weekend. You too. And we will talk to you all later. Bye-bye. Ahura Media Production.